chapter 4. This will be our main passage this morning. Ephesians chapter 4. Let's read in verse 8, Ephesians 4, 8, and then we're going to skip down to verse 11. Ephesians 8. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, or basically it means he, he led the captives free. That's what Christ did after his resurrection. Captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. The Lord has given gifts to men, verse 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man, men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. We're going to stop there. That's a mouthful. That's, that's quite a passage of scripture. We're going to spend our time in this passage this morning. Pretty much there's one thought that the Lord has given me from this passage, that the Lord Jesus Christ, when he rose from the dead after he died on the cross, which was represented by our communion that we just took, shed his blood and his body was offered up and rose again, he gave gifts to men. We know he's given the gift of the Holy Spirit. He gives a gift of discernment. He gives different gifts. But specifically here, he's talking about uh, he gave apostles in verse 11 and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. This is what's known in the church as the fivefold ministry. These are public ministry and offices that the Lord has given. And I'm not so much feeling led by the Lord to talk about those gifts as much as the purpose that they're given. Everything that God has given us is for our, our edification. Everything that he's given to us uh, is for us to be strengthened and built up in Christ. God gives us things not just so we'll have a happy journey through life, although he is a byproduct of knowing Christ, the joy of the Lord is a, certainly a fruit of his spirit, but he's given gifts to men for a specific purpose. And let's look at verse 13, well, verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And then we're going to talk, talk more about this. What does it mean, the perfecting of the saints? First of all, the saint is the one that's born again. These gifts are not given necessarily for two or four or bestowed upon a lost person. These are gifts of God given to the saints. These are gifts that God has given to his church. God has, there's a work of salvation, of drawing men to Christ to where they'll, be, they'll give their lives to Christ and repent and be born again. The Lord came to seek and save the lost, right? And the Holy Spirit is drawing people, and they must respond by faith to this gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, according to the scriptures. And they believe on Christ, and they're saved. And then oftentimes, that's as far as many people go. That's for my testimony for about five or six years of my life. I got saved. Then I went on from high school to, uh, to LSU and joined a fraternity and did all that stuff. And I was saved. And yet I was very carnal and very worldly and very much a babe in Christ. No, uh, brought no one to Christ, brought no glory to the Lord through my life. Didn't grow in Christ at all. 
at a total standstill until the Lord dealt with me and brought me to repentance for that, that I would go on and say, hey, there's a purpose for my life in Christ. And the Lord is designed and desired and destined, predestined for his people to grow. The perfecting of the saints. What does it mean, the perfecting of the saints? Someone that's already saved, in this case, would be the saint. You've given your life to Christ, whether it was this morning or whether it was 50 years ago. You're in Christ, and you're a saint according to the word of God. And he wants you and I and every believer to be perfected. It's not perfection in the sense of we think maybe perfect like God is perfect in the sense of sinlessness. Okay? Perfect sinlessness. The word perfecting here means to complete thoroughly. God wants your Christianity, your Christ-likeness, your salvation in this life before we get to heaven. He wants it to come to a place of complete uh, to be complete thoroughly. It means to prepare, to restore, to, uh, to frame or join together perfectly. Paul says in 1 Timothy 4, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. That is absolutely the will of God. He's, he's willing for every, he's, his will is that all men be saved, number one. Once we're saved, his will is for that new believer to be sanctified, set apart, perfected in the sense that we're talking about. It means completeness. It means full age. It means complete in growth in mental and moral character. This is the definition. So when we think about the perfecting of the things, the saints, it has to do with completion, a fullness, being brought from wherever you are. There's not one of us in this room can say, I'm finished, I'm done. When we see him, we'll be like him. Or we'll see him as he is. Between now and then, there's a much work that the Lord is doing and it needs to be done in my life. Much work that the Lord is wanting to do in our lives to bring me to that place of full age. Okay? Full age. And real, uh, Jesus said, be ye therefore perfect even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. That's the same word there. And the, and the idea that I that I see is it's a fully grown man or woman in Christ. You're grown up. It has nothing to do with your physical age. It has to do with where you are spiritually in the Lord. Okay? Are you where you should be in the Lord? Am I where I should be in the Lord? After this much time, after this much that the Lord has done in my life and poured upon my life and as much Bible as I've read and so forth, am I where I should be in Christ. And I use it all the time in a natural example. We've got a lot of babies born. Somebody's out right now with a baby um, that was just born a few weeks ago. And you, you have little landmarks or benchmarks where you say, with it, this child's a year old, okay? And give or take a few months, that child should be able to get up and walk around by that time. Some are walking at six months, nine months. Sometimes it's a little later, okay? But they should be walking. They should be making sounds and speaking. Even if it's gibberish to us, they should be making some sounds and talking. They're landmarks, okay, in their lives. And it's, it's important. We've got pictures of every day, basically, in our children's lives, it seems like. But in our spiritual growth, in our spiritual walk with the Lord, it should be the same way. We should be, we should be growing. We should be maturing in Christ. There should be landmarks where we say, this is where God dealt with me about this sin and it was put out of my life. And I don't go back to it anymore. It's not that we're perfect 
in the sense of we never have another sin or sinful thought, there should be growth. There should be measurable growth, uh, not just walking and talking. But Paul said in, in Hebrews chapter uh, 5, verse 11 and 6, he, was talk, he said, when for the time you should be teachers, you're having to be taught again the basic principles of the word of God. You're having to be fed milk when you should be fed strong meat and living off the strong meat of the word. So there was a should have. You should have been here by this time. And so it has nothing to do with our uh, are you saved or lost. In this instance, it has to do with are we growing in Christ or are we stagnant? Are we growing in Christ or are we like uh, our growth is stunted and there's something wrong? We would be concerned with the child. If they're six months old and they're not talking yet, you're not that worried about it or not walking. If they're six years old and they're not walking yet, you know there's a problem. That's all I'm saying. And God can heal that. But my point is, for, for an example, in Christ, we've been saved. How long have we been saved? Where should we be in the Lord? Where should I be? The Holy, Holy Ghost is the only one that can really tell us that. But I can tell you this. He has given gifts to men. I don't believe it's just these fivefold ministry. But he's given gifts to men that for the perfecting of the saints. To bring us to a place of maturity full development, full growth in Christ. Those gifts are not given uh, for anyone's individual benefit to, to make a show of them, for example. The gifts of tongues or the gift of, of healings and so forth and prophecies or even pastor or apostle. These are not given so that the individual can uh, wield this power over people. They're given for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So remember the purpose, okay? Edification, what does it mean? It means, uh, it means uh, building or to build up. It means architecture, structure, building. It actually means a dwelling place. So the perfecting of the saints, the edifying of the body of Christ. What does it mean they were edified? Well, I believe that each individual Christian is built up, each individual believer. When you're born again and I'm born again, when an individual is born again and it's genuine and sincere faith in Christ, he's always going to do his part, so to speak. And he will come and he will come to dwell in our hearts by faith. Who actually comes into our hearts and lives is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes into our hearts and the Holy Spirit we uh, begins to work in us to make us like Christ, okay? But uh, at the moment we're saved, our body becomes, what does the scripture say? The dwelling place of God. What you know you not, that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own, you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirits, which are God's. The, the moment we're saved, our, our body becomes the habitation of the Lord. The Holy Spirit specifically comes to live inside of us. And so our, the individual life is to be built up a habitation for the Lord. We are a habitation for God, but we're to be a proper, I guess you would say, habitation for the Lord. And then I think as the individual church, uh, individual believer grows, the saint grows, then there's a, a work in the church where the church is growing. The church itself is growing. 
The church is a habitation for the Lord. The church body is the body of Christ. And all of us are members if we're saved and we're joined together in a body with Christ being the head and the power and the life of that church is the Holy Spirit through the church. But we're to be built up into a, a habitation for God. And so uh, we're co- to come to a place of full maturity. Maturity in the Lord is very, very important. And we don't just stay where we are. Amen? That we don't just stay where we are. Let's look back at verse uh, 12. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, that we would keep moving on. Amen? Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ. So here's the, here's the thought that our immaturity does not glorify God. How many of you know that? You can be saved and praise God that we're saved. We truly are born again. We put our faith in Jesus. But if we stay immature when we should be mature or be maturing, if we stay undeveloped when we should be developing, if we stay babes when we should be a teenager by now, so to speak, spiritually, or an adult, that doesn't glorify God. And I think sometimes people think salvation is only, I got that straight with God. My life's right with God now. When I die, I'm going to heaven. But he didn't save me just to bring me to heaven. He saved me and left me on this earth for a reason. He's to be, to bring him glory. And my immaturity, mine and yours as Christians, does not glorify the Lord. Amen. Speak in the truth and love that you may grow up in him in all things. He wants us to grow. He wants us to grow. You want your children, those that have little children, you want them to grow mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. You want their development to be healthy and where it should be at these benchmarks and landmarks. We all would would desire that. And so the Lord wants us to grow. We don't just stay where we are. And God doesn't want us to. As I said, for five or six years of my life, I Spinning my wheels, so to speak. My spiritual car was in neutral. A lot of time, a lot of wasted time, just sitting there, spinning my wheels. I had one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And I was good for neither, to be honest with you. I was miserable in the world because the Holy Ghost was convicting me. And I was miserable in church because I hadn't surrendered everything on to God. You know what I mean? And so I was caught in the, and it was just a terrible place to be. Don't stay there. If you've ever experienced that, don't stay there. It's not a biblical position. It's not a God-ordained position for you to be. You won't be joyful. You won't be useful to the Lord. And you won't bring God any glory. Okay? So God wants us to grow up and move. What is the standard? If, if we're architecture, and that's what that word edifying, the building of God, a dwelling place, what is the finished product? What, is it, what does it look like, the finished product, if what am I being built up to be? It's more than just, say, a missionary or a pastor. What you and I are being built to be is Christ. Our standard is Christ. I don't just look to other good people. Moses is not my standard, although I'm not one-tenth of the man of God that Moses was. 
Paul is not my standard, although I can follow him as he follows Christ. But our standard is the Lord Jesus Christ alone. It is him. We keep him in full view. And the Bible says that uh, we're being, uh, as we're beholding him, we're being changed from glory to glory. So God, in, the Lord Jesus Christ is our standard. He's our goal. He's our aim. He's our pattern. The Lord told Moses in the Old Testament on Mount Sinai when he was giving him the, the pattern for the temple. I mean, the tabernacle. He gave him a pattern. He didn't just say, build me some tent. It's very specific. Measurements, materials, inside, outside, compartments, chambers, outer court, altars, everything. Very, very specific. It was from the Lord. Why was it so specific? What did it really matter? You know why it mattered? Because that was a pattern of Christ. This is a pattern of my son. The tabernacle represented Jesus Christ. And he's from heaven. And this tabernacle and the plans were given from heaven. Not from men thinking I'd like to build a beautiful church to God. Uh, or a way to worship. See then, saith he, that thou makest all things according to the pattern showed thee in the mount. It was given to him. It was shown to him. It was a picture, a type, a shadow, okay, of Christ that would come. We don't have time to get into that, but that the word pattern means a print. Like if you're printing something just over and over and everything's identical. You got one of those rubber stamps and everything says paid in full, paid in full. Everyone's going to look exactly the same. It's a print. It's a stamp. It's a mold. It's a model. And what you and I are being built up into is Christ. He is the goal. He is the pattern. He's the stamp. He's the one that we're being made into. It's nothing more than that. It's nothing less than that. And it's nothing other than that. It is Christ. I'll tell you what else it's not. It's not different for you than it is from your neighbor next to you or from me. What I mean by that, every Christian is being conformed to the image of the same Christ. Your Christianity is not going to be different than my Christianity. Your personality might be. Your specific callings, Sunday school teacher, you work with children, whatever, those specific things, those are different. Married, single, children, no children, that may be different. Those are just walks of life where the Lord puts us. But your conformity and my conformity to, are to the exact same thing. Nothing different at all. The same Christ. It's not different. It's the same. And so he's making us in. The Holy Spirit is working in us to bring us to that completion that is what we're being conformed to, made like, molded into, and conformed to that image. Amen? And no, no other. Conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. So in addition to the Lord being the pattern or the mold, you know, when I'm building something, we have some builders much better than me in here that can build and have the tools and the woodwork skills. I have a little bit. Uh, you know, a few of us built this platform up here, built the sound booth in the back when we first bought this, this building. I had to, even in something like that, I built a few tables and entertainment centers and things like that. And I had to have, what helped me is to have a picture. Measurements and all are fine and you can tweak that, but to know what it's going to look like. 
oh, this is what it's going to look like. It's got a bigger shelf on the top than the bottom or whatever it is, okay? The platform's going to angle off on the sides right here. It helps to have a pattern. And Christ is our pattern. He is the one, and we learn about him from the word of God, and the Holy Spirit reveals Christ to us. He can do it through a pastor. He can do it through a sermon, through a Sunday school teacher. But it is the Holy Spirit that is actually taking the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ and revealing him to you. Not just about him, but him. Revealing Christ to you. It's the Holy Spirit. That's the one we want. Because anything else would be a perversion of Christ. and It would be another Christ. And then we'd be way off track from the word of God. And so not only is the Lord our pattern, he's, he's what we're all being made into. We're never going to become Christ. I want to say that he's always going to be the Lord, and we will be those created in his image and redeemed by his blood, and we'll be fashioned in his likeness. He'll always be the Lord, and we're never going to be the Lord, although we'll be with him forever, and we will be like him. Amen? But not only is he the pattern, he is also, I would say, the potter. You know, he's the pattern. He's also the architect. He is the maker. Christ is our sanctifier. He is the one who's conforming, conforming us, working in us. I would say by the spirit of the Lord. So the Lord is the one. The same one who saved us is perfecting us. The same one who saved us is working in, in us. He is making us by his spirit to be all that he's saved and purposed, purposed us to be. He's making us all that he predestinated us to be in Christ. Now, when I say predestination, I'm not saying uh, in a Calvinistic sense of election that he chose who would be saved and he chose who would be damned and the individual has no choice or free will. I don't believe that's a big biblical doctrine. I do believe in predestination in this sense, that everyone that is saved, Romans 8, 29, for him... For, whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. And isn't that what we're talking about? Conformity, being built up to the fullness of the full measure of the stature of Christ, edifying of the body of Christ. So we are being conformed to his image by the spirit of the Lord, exactly what he predestinated us to be as believers. I don't believe the Lord says you can be saved. You can't be even if you want to. But for all of those that are saved and choose Christ, everybody in that family, every single person in Christ, he's predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son. Everyone, not some of us, but all of us. And that is the work that I'm talking about here. He will, and we're to be confident in this fact, that we, he will perfect that which concerns us. Philippians 1.6, I'll just quote it, but if you're taking notes, that's what I'm quoting from. Being confident of this very thing, that he who hath begun a good work in thee will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What is he saying? We are to have full confidence of this very thing. A lot of things, but this is one thing here. That the one who began a good work in us. What's the good work that was begun in us? Our salvation. Our, our eternal life, Christ in us, right? Our sanctification, being more like, made more like Jesus. The one who began the good work in us, that one, the Lord, will perform it 
until the day of Jesus Christ. He will finish it. He will completely execute and accomplish it. That's what the word perform means. He's going to finish it. So he will finish in the work in our lives the work that he has predestined to do, that he has purposed to do, and you and I are to trust him for that. You ever get frustrated and say, I wish I was more mature than I am in Christ? Well, we, we all do, okay? We all do. But at the same time, at the same moment we're frustrated, we can put our confidence back in the Lord and say, no, Lord, you said you were going to finish it. You are going to finish it, and I want to let you finish it. That's what we're going to talk about next is he's the worker by his spirit, and he is performing. What is he performing? It's a glorious work. He's patiently working in us. He's powerfully working in us, a holy and an ongoing work in the life of everyone he has redeemed. If you're saved today here, God is performing a work, and it's an ongoing, holy, glorious work. It's exciting to know the Lord. So the Lord is the worker. He is the worker. He is the sanctifier. He is able and he's faithful. I want to read this from 1 Thessalonians 5. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. That was Paul's prayer for the church at Thessalonica. And it's for all of us as believers. What is his prayer? The very God of peace, the Lord, sanctify you wholly. He's the sanctifier. He's the one who's working in us. Now, uh, and he's the only one who's able to do it, and he does it in his saints. All right? I want to ask this question because I think it's important. I think it's one of the biggest areas where the church, where Christianity and Christians, individuals, can, can get off and misunderstand. What is my part? If he's the sanctifier, and he is, there's no ifs about it. If he's the one perfecting and finishing and promising to finish your work in me, and he is. What, if any, is my part? I'm a lump of clay, right? He's the potter. If, if What is my part in my own Christian growth? What is my part in my spiritual maturity? What is my part as the believer in going from where I am to a, a more full Christ-likeness and a fullness, a completion in my salvation, more maturity, more like Jesus Christ, more fruit of the Spirit? What, what is my part, if any, in that? And I think there, there can be two camps of thought that are both unbiblical. It's not extremes to me. It's either biblical or unbiblical. Okay, here's one thought. Uh, I, I on my own have to make myself holy. You've heard you since the saying, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Have you ever tried to do that? <laughs> you can't lift yourself up off the ground by your bootstraps. You can jump, but you can't grab your boots and lift your feet up. Gravity doesn't work that way. Okay, somebody else has to pick you up if you're going to get off the ground like that. Somebody else has to pick you up. So the thought that I am going to, the Lord saved me, and thank you for saving me, Lord, by your grace, and I've got it from here. It's my responsibility. I will make myself holy. I will do this work in my inner man. Do you think that that's possible? No, it's not. You think I can work in my heart. Can I tell you there's things I love that I shouldn't love? 
There's things I hate or dislike that I should love according to the word of God. How do I get my heart to change to where I actually love what I should love and hate what I should hate? Because it's there in the scriptures. I see the pattern. What did Christ love? What did he hate? Right? What, how do I get myself? I can behave a certain way, maybe on my own, but I can't change my affections and desires in my heart, my longings. I need the Lord. That's just an example of what we can't do for ourselves. So no, he saved me. He is the sanctifier. I cannot perfect myself. I cannot do this deep heart work. It is a working of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Another camp, which I keep is just as unbiblical, would be, okay, uh, I can't do it on my own, so I'm going to sit on the couch and eat Pringles and Twinkies all day and watch football all day and do nothing, and I'm going to sleep in, and I'm not going to read my Bible, and I'm not going to pray, and I'm not going to share the gospel with anybody, and I'm not going to put myself in a good church where I'm going to be taught and fed and minister the word of God, and just God's got to do it. God's got to do it himself, because I certainly can't do it myself. You're halfway right. You can't do it yourself. So what do I do? I don't believe that's a biblical position either, right? To just, I'll, I'll do nothing. I won't, I'll do nothing. And I'll just sit on the couch, and I will expect God, because it's all by his grace anyway, right? And yes, it is by his grace. You know what Paul said about the grace of God? I think sometimes a lot of people forget this. He said, I am what I am by the grace of God. What was Paul? Mature believer. A martyr for the Lord. Sold out for Jesus Christ. Was he a couch potato Christian who did nothing? Was he lazy? No. He, he, his life, he said, I'll gladly spend and be spent for you. For people to come to know the Lord. For Christ. And so he said... And, by his grace, he says, I labor more abundantly than they all. Well, wait a minute. That doesn't make sense. I thought it was grace. We don't do anything. It's not what he says. Even in salvation, y'all, even in salvation, which is a free gift, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy has saved us. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That is the grace of God in salvation and the mercy of God. But even in that, the Bible says, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. So even, in, even with the grace of God that brings salvation, I, the, the individual person still has to believe, right? There is something I have to do. I can reject Christ or I can believe upon Christ. There's a lot of people dying and going to hell every day that Jesus showed grace to that he wanted to save. They're not saved because they didn't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a work. It is faith. Okay? Now, as, as a child of God in Christ, I don't perfect myself. I can't. It takes the work of the Holy Spirit to make the, the new believer mature and bring us to that fullness. Okay? We understand that. But in, say, in saying that, the Bible also says that you and I, as the Christian, have a part in that. My part is not necessarily to make myself holy. That's a work that's a miracle. It's beyond me. But there are things that aren't miracles, so to speak, that he calls me to do. I'll give you an example. Does the Bible, the Word of God, to believers give an instruction that we're to study the Word of God? Does the Bible say that? 
It says, study to show yourself approved. Can you study your Bible? By the Lord, we can do it, okay? We can do it. This Bible is not going to, while I'm sleeping in the bed, going to float off my table and come whack me on the side of the head and, and start reading itself to me. I know it sounds silly, but can you pray? Yes, you can pray. We're told to pray without ceasing. Men aren't always to pray and not to faint, right? On and on, the scriptures about praying. So there are things we can do, and even in those things we do, we need the Lord to help us, okay? But in my, for my growth and maturity as a child of God, I, you and I need to do everything the Bible tells us to do. It sounds simple. I'm not telling you it's works salvation. It's certainly not. Nor am I telling you it's works sanctification. It's not. I am saying that if we're going to be sanctified and mature, there are things he calls us to do. They're not things that your pastor's putting on you. Oh, this church believes that, and that preacher tells me i got to do this. I won't tell you anything then. Go to the Bible and see what it says. I, the, if we're going to be matured and be sanctified, okay, then the Bible tells us a lot of things to do. I'm going to read some in just a moment. If you want to grow in Christ, which you should want to grow in Christ, and so should I, because that life glorifies the Lord, and it draws me closer to my Savior and makes me a better representative of him on this earth to the church and to the lost people, all right? So we should want to grow, and if we want to grow, there are a lot of things that he tells us to do. And the Bible tells me the same epistle that says we can be confident that the Lord's going to complete the work that he began in us. This few chapters later says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's a biblical view of obedience and doing that the God, God has given us. Uh, Jesus said, apart from, and abide in me, right? I'm the vine, you're the branch. We're, we're plugged into the vine. We get our life from the vine. Cut off by itself, the, the little branch dies. It does nothing. It withers up. But he says, if, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. That if we abide in Christ, he says, for without me you can do what? Many good things? Some things? A few things? Without me you can do nothing. The same Bible tells me, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So the key is Christ. The key is Christ. If I abide in Christ and walk in him, I can do everything he calls me to do. Everything. Well, this is really hard. I know it's hard. But I'm going to be with you. I'm going to give you the strength to do it. Giving up this sin is really hard. I know it's hard. But I will certainly give you the strength to do it. Here's what I want you to do. You see what I'm saying? Whatever it is, apart from him, we can do zero. And that would have to do with our sanctification as well. Right? And, but I can do, Paul says, all things through Christ who strengthens me. What do we do? What are we called to do? This is by no means a, a, full, a full summary of all that we do. This is some things that I was, as I was studying, the Lord gave me. What do we do? We, we can yield to his working. Can you yield to the Holy Spirit? When you're getting on the interstate, we don't always do it, but if there's a car right there and we're the ones getting on, we're supposed to yield. Fall in behind them, okay? Or get speed up a lot and get ahead of them, but we can't just come right over on top of them. They have the right of way, all right? God has the right of way in your life. And he's got the right, all of it. Every, well, not this, Lord. 
not these friends, not that whatever entertainment, not what you don't have. Yes, he does. He has the Lord of all of it. He died to be our Savior and our Lord. Okay, and he's worthy and you'll be happier and so will I when he is the Lord of every area of your life. Not my money. Not this. Yes, the Lord of every area of your life. So you and I can yield. That is something I have to do. If I resist and rebel, even as a Christian, I'm fighting against what God is wanting to do. Who's going to be hurt by that? I am. God's wanting to do something in my life, and I don't like it or the way it looks or the way it feels or not now, and I'm resisting what the Lord's wanting to do. I'm still his child. Not going to hell because of that. If I'm born again, I'm born again. But if I'm in Christ and resisting what he's wanting to do, I'm I'm going to be hurting myself. I'm going to be limiting my own growth in Christ, which he could really and maybe very quickly bring us on. I've seen Christians that grow amazingly fast. And it has nothing to do with how long they've been saved. It has to do with the degree to which they yield to the Lord. How quickly do you want to yield? How fully do you want to surrender to the Lord? Because that, that is the basis of what determines how you want to you and I will grow in Christ. Okay? We can yield to the Lord. I just want to read this from Romans. Neither yield you, yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. He's talking to Christians. I could yield my members to sin. My hands, my eyes, my ears. I could yield those things to sin. I would feel terrible. God would convict me. God would warn me before I did it. While I'm doing it and afterwards, he would draw me to repentance by his goodness. But still, I can yield my members to things that are sinful. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. Are you alive from the dead? Has he quickened you? Who were dead in your sins and trespasses? Do you have the gift of eternal life? Yes, Lord. Thank God I do. Okay, well then yield yourselves unto God. As those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So we can yield ourselves to the Lord. We can, these are just some things. They're biblical admonitions for believers. Work work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We can submit ourselves, therefore, to God and resist the devil. We can pray without ceasing. We can study to show ourselves approved unto God. We can present our bodies as a living sacrifice. We can prefer our brothers in Christ. Uh, We can seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We can wait on the Lord. We can remain filled with his spirit. We can give thanks in everything. We can go into all all the world. Whatever he's called us to do, we don't say, even in these things, that I say we can do with him. Even in these things, we don't say, I got it, Lord. You just sit tight. I'll go into all the world. I'll go seek first your kingdom. No, we're abiding in Christ. And through Christ, we have the strength to do everything he's called us to do. And it may seem like we've gotten off track, but it is exactly where the Lord wants us to be this morning. We're talking about the perfecting of the saints. God is perfecting us. And my responsibility, I can be confident that he's doing it and will do it and do it perfectly. My responsibility in that is to yield and submit and seek. And the Lord says, Randy, he might not say this to Eric. He might say to Randy, go knock on the door of everybody in your street and share the gospel with them. Whatever he tells me to do, 
I need to do. What's that got to do with my sanctification? Everything. Do we obey the Lord? Is he my Lord? Am I, am I submitting to him? Am I yielding to him? And so as born-again believers, we do these things. We do them by the grace of God. We do them by the enabling that he gives, but we do them. We do them. Where we don't do it, we ask God to forgive us and help me and strengthen. We spend our lives doing that. But there has to be some progress and growth. We absolutely can hinder our own spiritual growth. The Bible says if we, if we walk in the flesh, um, we're not going to do the things of the Spirit and vice versa. I want to read this uh, from Colossians. This has become, over the years, one of my go-to scriptures. Uh, is, Paul says, Whereunto I labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. That kind of puts it in perspective. I want to read it one more time. Paul says, I labor... I labor, somebody in the gospel, in Christ. I labor, striving, so there's effort, according to his working, which works in me mightily. In other words, God has empowered us. He's enabled us. And that same power and enabling is what's, what's working through Paul. But he's doing it. He's cooperating. He's yielding. He's saying, yes, Lord. He's walking in it. Amen? And this is what we're called to do. We're not spiritual robots. and not... I'm not going to be too much longer, but God doesn't save us. We're not spiritual robots that have no will. Even as a Christian, I have a will. You could have willed to sleep in this morning. You could say, well, I'm going to go to church for not Sunday school. You can will to say, I'm not coming back for prayer tonight. That's your will. You have a will. You're not a spiritual robot, nor am I. We have a will. And I have a mind. And that mind and that will, as a Christian, now that I'm born again, must be sanctified. I guess you see that mind and that will of mine, my personal one, needs to be yielded to God to where it's no longer my will, but his will. John the Baptist says he must increase and I must decrease. That's ongoing, right? It's not maybe not just a snapshot. Bam, I went from immature to totally perfected. It's an ongoing process. He wants it to be that way because you know what that causes us to do? It causes us to trust him every day. It causes us to fall on our face before God every day. It causes us to be very thankful that there's forgiveness when I do sin, that if we confess our sins. You understand what I mean? And so, uh, but that, I have a will. I'm not a spiritual robot, but I want to be wholly his. Holy in the sense of completely his. Fully his. And that's what he wants. It's an unspeakable joy to know, as I said, that we can always count on God to do his part, but the Lord wants me to yield and to and to submit, to follow peace and so forth and holiness and on and on that the Lord's calling us to. And so these gifts, and I'll, I'll bring this on to a close, the gifts. As I said, this, this study was not on the gifts, the fivefold ministry, nor the gifts of the Spirit, as much as the reason for God giving gifts to men. The reason he gave them for the perfecting of the saints. We cannot just walk in disobedience to the Lord as Christians and think everything's going to be okay because of grace. His grace is an enabling. It is unmerited favor, but his grace also is an enabling that enables me to do, and he expects me to do what he has enabled me and called me to do. And when I don't, I can ask his forgiveness 
and say, please help me. And he says, I'm helping you. I'm helping you. Okay? But we can't neglect the things of God that we're told to do and think we're still going to grow in this fullness. We cannot sanctify ourselves, but we can either help or hinder God's working. I see this biblically. Okay? We cannot sanctify ourselves, but we can either help and advance that, or we can hinder. Here's how we would help. We would help, we can throw ourselves completely on the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Lord, help me. I'm so far from where I need to be. Sanctify me. Make me more like Jesus. Not my will, but thy will be done. So we throw ourselves on the Lord. We surrender everything that we can, everything that he showed us. You can't do something he hasn't convicted you of or revealed to you. But once he reveals it, say, Randy, this TV show in your life, I'm just picking an example. I'm not trying to put any guilt on you. This is not of me. A lot of the people in the church may watch it, but for you, this is not healthy for you. Okay? I can try to defend myself. Well, other people watch it and other Christians watch it. Or I can say, yes, Lord. And I can surrender it to God. And I can give it over to the Lord. And the quicker you and I, at every turn, at every conviction, at every revelation of the Holy Spirit, we say, yes, yes, help me, God. Randy, those friends, they say they're Christians, but they're really not helping you. Every time you're with them, you end up in the world. You need, I want you to come out of that. I've got some other friends for you. Pray for them, but I want you to come on through Christ. Well, that's hard, Lord. Yes, it is hard. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the quicker you and I say yes and say, here I am, Lord, the quicker we're going to grow in the Lord. He will have unhindered access to your heart, your will, your life. Don't you want the Lord to have that? that above, not this little area. Come all over here, but right here, this is just for me. No, it's all his or it's not his. The quicker we give him unhindered access to have his way in our hearts that he purchased our lives with his own blood, we don't even belong to ourselves, the quicker we're going to grow. Or we can resist the Lord at every turn. We can fail to yield we can be slow to obey. The Bible says Christians can grieve the Spirit. You know that? It can hurt the Holy Spirit. We can quench the Holy Spirit. He's wanting to do mighty, powerful things in our lives. And we quench Him because we're embarrassed. We look silly in front of our friends. Or whatever it may be. We can be lazy spiritually. We can be lax. We can be carnal. The church in Corinth. Paul says, I want to talk to you as mature. They were Christians. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit and all the gifts of the Spirit. And he says, I can't speak to you as, as spiritual, but carnal. You're carnal. Even your babes, your babes. He wasn't complimenting them, by the way. They should have been further along. He didn't tell them they needed to be saved. He told them they needed to grow up. They need to grow up. And so we can hinder God's work in, in our lives. I think, and I'll bring this to a close, it's very kind of our Savior when you think about it to love us and to be concerned with our spiritual walks. He cares. 
not only that you go to heaven, he cares if you're abiding in Christ. He cares if you're growing in the Lord. He cares if you're fellowshipping with him, becoming more like Jesus. It matters to the Lord. He's given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness according to our knowledge of him who's called us to glory and virtue. He's given us these things and he wants us to grow. Amen? He wants us to grow. I think it's kind of the Lord that he's working in us both to will and do what? Of his good pleasure. His good pleasure. And his good pleasure, I promise you, is for your good pleasure as well. All that he wants to do. Amen? If you want to... Indeed, you can come on up. But if you want to get a suntan, you have to go outside in the sun, right? You have to go out and expose yourself to it. If you want to, be, to grow in Christ, you need to be with the Lord. You need to spend time with him. You need to spend time in his presence in prayer. You need to say, yes, Lord, when he speaks to your heart, and so do I. This is how we grow. He's the sanctifier. You're not sanctifying yourself. You're just yielding. You're, you're yielding and agreeing with God and cooperating with the work of the Lord in your life. And you couldn't sanctify yourself in a million years if you wanted to, nor could I. He can do it quickly as we yield to him and surrender to him. So I want to turn to one scripture and close with this. 1 John chapter 3. This talks about the kindness of God and the work of the Lord in our lives. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. We're the sons of God right now as Christians. So we're not talking about, we're talking about sanctification. We're not talking about salvation. Salvation is a free gift of God, all right? That we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. So you and I are not perfected yet, nor will we be perfectly perfected or complete in this life. But we ought to be growing. That's all in the word of God. All right. This is the will of God that we grow up. All right. So does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, this is when he comes for his people in the clouds, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So there is a completion to our salvation. There is, don't be hopeless. First of all, we're confident that the one that began to work will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And at the day of Jesus Christ, whatever is lacking, so to speak, in my Christ-likeness, my Christ-like nature, Whatever needed to be done, finished yet, that will be completed, including a glorified body, like his glorious body. But between now and then, he wants us to grow. He expects us to grow. He doesn't want us to stay little babies all the time. You've been saved 25 years, and you're still acting like that. You understand what I'm saying? He wants us to grow and represent him rightly, and he has equipped us for it. He's actually doing the work in our lives. I want you all to stand with me. The altars are open. Y'all, I pray this morning at the altar you come and pray and say, God, forgive me. Maybe you have hindered the working of God in your life. Maybe there are things he has shown you and you have not surrendered them to the Lord. 
Not that you're not saved. If you're not saved, I would love to pray with you to give your life to Christ. But you're saved and you say, I'm kind of spinning my wheels. I'm not growing as I should. And you come to this altar and you say, God, forgive me, first of all. And then second of all, Lord, help me and strengthen me. Show me what you want me to do because I want to grow for your glory. Amen. So, Father, we just...